Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Grow With Soul. Today is a coaching episode with Jane Lindsay, who is the founder and designer behind Snapdragon Studio. I was excited to get Jane onto the podcast as she has really built the on-paper success that many would dream of with over 100,000 sales on Not On The High Street. But in the last year, she's decided to take the business in a new direction. In this episode, we are talking all about value, what it even is, the difference between physical and e-products, and we also get into the perennial free versus paid debate. So strap yourself in, it's a good one. Hi, Jane. Hi, Kate. Lovely to speak to you. <laughs> yes, it's been a while since, well, we saw each other at Blogtacular, didn't we? So. We did, and it's always lovely to chat. <laughs> yes. And I'm so happy that you're here because... I think yours is such an interesting story because you've kind of got the on-paper success that a lot of people would be, like, dreaming of and think, oh, God, what why is she on this podcast? But it's obviously a little bit more different than that and it goes a little bit deeper. So, anyway, before we get into that stuff, can you give me kind of your story and the story of Snapdragon and... and what the business is all about and how you've kind of got to where you are now. Okay. Well, when I left university, I became a museum curator and that's what I had trained for. And I worked um, for Glasgow Museums and then the University of Glasgow. And it was a brilliant job, wonderful collections, but I worked in a basement office and I became less and less kind of connected to outside and in Scotland in the winter that is very very easy for that to happen because it's so dark so I decided that I wanted to completely leave the museum world and I retrained in horticulture mm-hmm. over in Edinburgh at the Botanic Gardens there and I saw that there was a gap in the market I say this in inverted commas now for homegrown cut flowers so I borrowed a bit of land from somebody, I grew lots and lots of cut flowers, and I sold them at farmers markets, and then when we moved here from my gate. And that's really how Snapdragon started. It's called Snapdragon because slugs don't eat snapdragons, and I had a big slug problem at the time. But what I found was that the reason that nobody grew cut flowers in Scotland is that the season is ridiculously short. And I only ever had flowers for six months of the year. So I needed sort of a second way of making money. And I started to do freehand machine embroidery. This was around about 2003. So basically drawing with my sewing machine and selling the things that I made at craft fairs and also from my house. So what I had was a a business that was quite connected to the seasons and where I live, and that was very much face-to-face. I knew all of my customers. Country Living magazine featured us, and then they offered me a sort of a show stand at their spring fair in Glasgow. They'd been let 
down at the last minute by somebody. So in the way that you do when you have a business, mm -hmm. you know, you say, yes, <laughs> that would be wonderful. And then you come off the phone and you think, oh, actually, I have nothing to sell because I have no flowers. So I scaled up the kind of sewing side of the business really fast and in three weeks made enough to do this stand. And we won best stand, so we went back next year as well. And I think that it was because of that that Not in the High Street noticed me just when they were setting up. And they called and they said, would I like to be one of the sellers on this new marketplace website that they were putting together? And as you do when you have a business, mm -hmm. I said, mm -hmm. oh, yes, please. Mm -hmm. And that completely changed the business because it moved me from looking all of my customers in the eye and only really having about 100 of them to being put in front of tens, hundreds of thousands of people who didn't actually know me but wanted to buy my products. Mm. And that changed the business. And very, very quickly, that side scaled, not in high street, brilliant at marketing. They were growing really, really fast. And I moved from it just being me at my kitchen table to building a workshop in the field behind the house and getting a, a team of four mm. uh, to help me with things. So that's kind of like, and then we just continued to grow with Not on the High Street and we sold on Etsy as well. And that's really was the business up until May 2017. And at that point, I kind of decided to change. Mm -hmm. We had sold our 100,000th order on Not on the High Street, and we had, you know, a bit of a celebration. Mm -hmm. We got out champagne. It was great. And then the next week, I was driving back from buying some cacti for a photo shoot, and I just realized I was completely bored. I think, like lots of creative people, I really love the creation of things. So starting a business is wonderful because you are creating it, but then once it actually starts trucking along without much input, without things needing to change dramatically, I just got really bored. Mm. And I decided that the only way to kind of indulge this sudden boredom was to leave my team to run all of the not on the high street things day to day. I still design, but I didn't need to be doing any of the packing, that kind of thing. And to kind of start what was a completely separate business on the side, just from my own website, and to leave myself space to play with that and to discover new things. And really, really importantly, to connect back to the customers, because I really miss them. So that's where it kind of where we started a, a thing called a Snapdragon Studio in May 2017. And I'm still pretty much playing with it, but I am now beginning to see how that can move into the future and scale up. That's so interesting. I didn't realise the studio side of it was that recent, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a beautiful ending of the story where it all just loops back round to actually reconnecting with the reasons that you started in the beginning and the things that you loved about it in the beginning? Well, what's been really interesting is that so many of my customers were actually people who read my blog back in 2005. 
and they were never they were never not on the high street customers there is a big split between people who go to my website and people who go to marketplace websites a completely different customer base and i think that's that's what had always confused me actually when i was trying to just get more customers on my website mm. but they are exactly the same customers that i had right in the beginning when i started mm. that's very interesting so in terms of the experience of going from having this standard country living to your 100,000th not on the high street order, what was it like on a kind of day-to-day basis? Because I know not on the high street do, as you say, a lot of their own marketing and stuff. Did you actually feel more like the packing department for not on the high street at some times? Or were you able to be feeling like you're doing the business? I always felt I was doing the design. A, a lot of working for Not on the High Street or selling through Not on the High Street or any of the other big uh, marketplace sites is you're working a lot on systems. So, for example, Not on the High Street was always completely mad at Christmas. You, know, you would sell 70% of your entire year's stuff in the six weeks before Christmas. So you were scaling up from maybe having 30 orders a day to having seven, 800 orders a day. Mm. That is really, really difficult to manage. And that takes a lot of skill and a lot of thought and a fantastically trained team. And you're left very much, you know, you sort that out however you want it. And design, we obviously, we all did in-house, though not on the high street, we're always very good at saying, oh, there's a bit of a gap in this particular section and we're looking for something to fill it. Mm. But what I didn't do any of really was marketing or connecting. Mm. So that has been very much a big learning curve over the last 18 months. Mm. Yeah, and because I talk a lot, well, generally, but on this podcast about having your why and having that be the thing that people buy into rather than just your products whereas yeah you were the completely other way around where people were buying into your products but didn't really know or care where they were coming from and that I feel as you as somebody who is creative and very there's a lot of thought behind what you do that must have been a little bit soul destroying I think naturally it became so but at the beginning particularly because I'm not a trained designer I am an art historian um, and then a curator The fact that somebody would see something of mine and buy it because they saw a small photograph and that made them like it enough to buy it and then come back and buy more, that in some ways was really, really reassuring because it meant that whether people knew me or liked me wasn't influencing their purchasing. Mm. So it was really quite good for me to go through that because it, it meant that that imposter syndrome thing isn't as big. You know, it was never a case of, oh, my mum's friends were buying things, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of small businesses get that because obviously you get lots and lots of family support, but there's always a wee voice in your head going, yeah, but, you know, how do I take it (laughs) beyond that? That's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that. But then obviously it gets to the point where you were... had had that validation and actually wanted to go back and and have something a bit deeper tell us a little bit about because I know this business model of the studio isn't just a straightforward shop it's slightly different well what I have at the heart of my business is studio membership and people can pay 
a monthly fee at the moment that's £10 and that will remain to be £10 for founder members but from the end of the year I think that's going to go up and that is a membership fee and it entitles you to lots of different perks. Now when I launched it I kind of headlined the discount perks because being a member of the studio allows you to buy any of our products at the cost that it, it costs us to make them. So that's about a 50% discount on retail price. But since then, this is really what I want to speak to you when we come on to, mm. is I have been wanting to move it so that you get enough value from being a member, even if you never wanted to buy anything. Mm-hmm. And that has been the shift that's been going on in about the last six months. So now there are lots of ebooks and workbooks. There are downloads. We have open days here because lots of people want to connect with Mm -hmm. people who have kind of like similar interests. And when we started off, I was very kind of resistant to that. But as I have grown confident in, oh, just how lovely our members are (laughs) I actually wanted to meet more of them so we had our first open day in the summer and that was a great success and we're going to have more over the next year yeah so I always describe it as a bit like having shares in a studio Mm -hmm. so that everything that we create here you get for a, a monthly membership and lots of people they just they like the idea of supporting small businesses and seeing kind of behind the curtain because all of the things that I send out to members are members exclusive so you know about what's coming up and how what I've been looking at things that I'm designing how they're designed and they also get all of the artwork for everything Mm. that we design here so it's really a way of saying thank you for people's support as a small business Mm. but it's but it is very much aimed at people who want to connect with us and what we do here and me as a designer Uh, rather than somebody just looking at a thumbnail and thinking, oh, I'll buy that mug. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so about people who connect with the why and what you do and you rather than, yeah, oh, I like that, I'm going to buy it. So with all that in mind, what are you kind of coming up against now, now that it's been, what, just over a year and that you've had a real shift over the last six months, I know, because we've spoken about it in Campfire, particularly about your Mm. feelings about I don't want to make people buy stuff. (laughs) So where are you up to now with that kind of, those challenges that you've got? I think I have two issues, Mm -hmm. but they are connected. And they are to do with content and the value of content. Mm -hmm. I think that it might be because traditionally I have sold products that a lot of the things that I am creating for people are things like e-magazines and e-workbooks or they are patterns, they're art files that don't have a physical presence. So therefore, I'm finding it more difficult to work out the value of them because they exist in infinite number somewhere in the internet. Mm-hmm. So that is one of the things that I'm thinking about, about what is actually valuable for my members. And of course, if you have a discussion with me, I will say, yes, of course they're valuable because like people, our members look at the book that is made about how to make sort of floral and grass wreaths and they have a go and they make them and they send me pictures. So I know that it is valuable, but it is not a physical entity. Mm-hmm. 
And the other thing that I have a slight wobble over is some of my content goes out for free, either on blogs or to newsletter subscribers. And it's kind of navigating where does all of the content fit in and how much of the members' content needs to be completely exclusive and how much of it can just be an expansion of something that there is is maybe a, a much shorter piece on a blog. Mm. So that's kind of where I'm struggling. Okay, yeah. I think the first one, especially about you spent however many of the last years where it's all about this physical thing and the value ascribed to it has been because you know how many are sat in the workshop ready to be going out. And it is a different mindset shift to get into the idea of value doesn't exist in your hands. It exists in it exists in the mind of your customer, of your member, rather than in the thing itself, which yeah, as I said, it's a mindset shift. So if we think about actually what is value, because I think people always go to, as you say, it has to be this physical thing or it has to be this really helpful resource where I'm giving away everything I know. And it, it, it can be on a sliding scale. It can be like a, a funny tweet or a beautiful Instagram photo. That is still providing value. But as the value goes up, so does the attention and the engagement of the person. But I think with you, with that, it's getting into the head of the person. This is a question that I ask myself a lot, which is where does the value live? This was something that I learned very much so when I was doing my workshops, because I had gone into them thinking the value was me and my presence, my knowledge, my leadership of that day and the way that I planned it out and set it out. And I got really incremental about making sure that I was packing every half an hour with all this value. And then once I got there and everybody just started ignoring me and talking amongst themselves, I realised that the value for them was in the space and time to have that opportunity to talk about their business for a whole day with other like-minded people with me kind of interjecting with some things they might not have thought about but it wasn't about me moving them forwards it was about them and so I think as business owners we go into things thinking I, I need to take control of this value I need to lead it I need to push it whereas actually we can trust our customers to take the bits that's valuable and to really appreciate them like you've said you've you've created a like an e-book about reads and they're, they're taking that and they're running with it and they're making them and they're sharing them with you because they have taken what you've provided and built the value for themselves. I think that's very helpful actually because I, I have um, a free Facebook group as well and exactly what you have described happening in your workshop is what happens there, mm. that people connect between themselves. I mean, often around a, a topic that I have introduced, but I am not there in all of the conversations. Mm. And people have moved on from that Facebook group to meet in real life and to help each other out. And that is actually the value. It's not. It's no longer just me. So people might have joined the Facebook group because they heard of it through me, but that's no longer the actual value. Well, it's, it's the same as like e-courses. You join the e-course and it has a Facebook group with it and it depending on 
the rest of the cohort, which I think has a lot to do with how good a Facebook group ends up. But very often the Facebook group can end up being the most valuable part of the course because it's people taking a space that's been provided for them and making it into something that that their own and kind of taking it by the horns. And so that, yeah, that's very interesting that you're finding that through your Facebook group as well and that people are really connecting with that. And actually, when you said that, that made me think the word we keep saying is connection. It started with connection, with talking to people over your garden gate with your flowers. It came back around to connection with wanting to get more kind of detached from the not on the high street way of selling. And now this is the thing that people are really engaging with. So I think, is that the value that you provide through this membership? The opportunity for people to make connections, to connect with you, to connect with others? I certainly think that that is the case in the Facebook group. It's It has evolved into an incredibly positive, non-judgmental space. And I think that that's a really nice thing to have in your life. Mm. And I have certainly spoken to people who have said that when they're feeling a bit kind of like down they've gone into that group just because everybody is always so gentle and positive and encouraging so certainly I think that the connection is very important and I suppose that what I'm looking going to to introducing into the membership is that kind of feel of what is the experience of being a member and it would be really nice if that could be an element of connection now, lots of members are in the Facebook group, but not everybody in the Facebook group is a member or even a right. customer. So that's another level to kind of um, navigate. And I, I'm very aware that my fear about value and things which are not sort of like physically there drives me to just create more and more and more and more and more mm-hmm. and risk actually overwhelming everybody. Mm. That whole idea that, oh, goodness, you know, I haven't even started last week's thing. Yeah. And here, here's another one. Here's another one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I am kind of, I, I'm kind of aware that I need to get over the value thing because otherwise I will just end up swamping mm. <laughs> everybody yeah. who comes into contact with me and also just exhausting my energy. Yeah, what it feels like is that you are moving from being a product-based business to a service-based business. I mean, you're always you're always going to be doing the products, but you are now introducing a service element with the membership where yes, there is a, a baseline of products going along in there, but also a lot of intangible stuff going on within that because, well, out of necessity partly, but also because that's the way that you are wanting to build it. So I do think that, yes, this is part of you needing to kind of learn and accept that the business model this is starting to move into has a few different ways of working and actually standing behind the things that you're creating and believing in them the way that you believe in your physical products, you've got to stand behind and believe in those those more service-based, those e-products. You have to believe in them as equally because otherwise, yes, you're always like, oh, this isn't enough. Let me add more. Let me add more because you're not going, this is an amazing e-book. You're going to have an amazing time creating all the flowers and stuff in this. I've put so much knowledge into this. Imagine if it was a physical book, you wouldn't be feeling the same. No, I wouldn't. And actually, what you said there is the 
the one I was really proud of, we I did an ebook about growing calendula flowers and then everything from sort of drying it, making oil, um, how to distill um, floral waters from it, and then all the things that you could make. Mm-hmm. And I had that as an ebook. That was a member's ebook, and it's sort of about forty pages. And then we also sold all of the things that you would need to do those things Mm. as a kind of a separate add-on pack, which because it was at members' prices was really reasonable for people to go, yeah, you know, it's under £10, I'll give everything a go. So it was still a kind of a physical product, but Mm. it was connected to an online product. And it was all part of the experience and the fact that I feel that people having a go at things that seem a bit daunting but are really simple and achieving and you know it it ticked all the buttons you know connecting with nature everything and I think that it's maybe that kind of product which has worked so well in terms of having its experience and its its kind of ebook and all of that kind of thing which you could opt into any of those bits is maybe the way to go. So to kind of like just reduce all the things that do not tick all of those boxes. Mm. Yeah, that's like almost the perfect thing. <laughs> that, as you say, it it combines every element of what your business is and every element of what your business stands for. It's a physical product, but it's not stuff. It's a completely, as you say, immersed in what Snapdragon and you stand for and are interested in. And it allows you to feel like it's valuable even though it's half an e-product half a physical product and that yeah that sounds really good that just to kind of refine it down and have a ham- maybe a couple that go maybe year round and then bring out a seasonal one and that as you say a 40 page ebook plus a kit yeah people can't be doing a new one of those every week <laughs> no exactly exactly and i think that that is the thing that it I need to get into my head that for everybody's sake, it needs to be less quantity and more defined, mm. more more focused so that everything that I produce, it fulfills lots and lots of different things on my tick sheet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely it. And it, so it's talking of, of the tick sheet. I don't know whether it's a, a real or a metaphorical tick sheet, but actually like really knowing what is on there how you want people to feel, defining what the value is. This is for people to get out into their garden in the spring and give them an excuse to do that. Or this is for people who have always wanted to make their own wreath but never really knew how to at Christmas time and stuff like that, that you can then really know what that value is in your head so you can really stand behind it and know that you are making the difference that you want to be making for people with that product. Well, that's that's nice. that that's really really helpful because it's nice and practical, and it's something that I can put in place as a, a kind of a, a set strategy, mm. and then measure all of the ideas against, yeah. and some will fall, and some won't. Mm. Yeah, rather than just going, oh, I'll just throw another ebook out, I'll throw another workbook <laughs> out. <laughs> you can then, because I know the seasons are very important to you, you can really start to map it out and get really kind of concise and deep and rich with it rather than as I say oh god I need to keep adding more and more of these because they're not real. How do you navigate the issue between free Mm. and not because it's it is the one time that I ever get negative feedback 
is when I, I put out a small portion of something for free and then say that, so I think that there was a, there was like a mini ebook went out to newsletter subscribers, but it is quite clear that there was a bigger one went out to members. Mm. And I did get a number of people contacting me and saying that they thought it was unfair because they couldn't afford to be members. Mm. Yeah, that's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> um, and I think if I had no free content, that wouldn't come up. Mm. You know, I don't think they are going to John Lewis and complaining that you have to buy for things. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I it's think funny, it is the fact that you start off with this bit is free. Yeah, and that's what's tricky because I think for, with me for my business, it's kind of obvious that you get me when you, when you start paying. But also, I kind of get a similar thing where. I will get emails or messages with very specific in-depth questions that you could take me an hour to reply to, but they want it for free. And actually, I have to, in my head, be like, no, that is actually a paid service. That would be unfair to people who've paid for coaching with me if I'm just sending really detailed strategic emails to people who haven't paid <laughs> for that. Yeah. And so I think that you will always get the people who want stuff for free and don't want to have to pay for it and actually you can't change their minds you've just got to be really strong in your mind that you have to prioritize the people who have committed and paid to that and actually just kind of be like sorry but my priority was with these people and I'm sorry if you feel you can't afford it but you have to kind of believe in your stand by your own stead in that front I think that's it's something that I I can absolutely see your point of view in your business and I think this is mm. the the thing that I should just look at other businesses and think, well, obviously they can't give everything away for free and just be a bit stronger. Mm. You can't please absolutely everybody. I mean, those people who are kind of having a whinge and a moan probably aren't your absolute ideal member customer. So it's kind of good that you're not giving them everything. You don't have to feel like, oh, well, these people are unhappy because they're not ever going to, they're not going to become a member. So you have to... You have to be a little bit harsh about it, but for our own sanities, because otherwise, yes, everything would be free, but we do have to make some money. And so we we have to define where that line is drawn and to work with the people who do pay for our stuff, who are your members, to make sure that they are happy and fulfilled and that they feel that they're getting great value and then think about, well, if that's where the line is drawn there, then what does become free? And then people know they have to upgrade. Like with me, people know they can come and come with me, pay for coaching with me or pay for a course with me. It's obvious. <laughs> the vast majority of people are really happy with the free stuff and they can kind of crack on and, and you're just always going to get those couple of people who want to push it that extra bit further and you have to just draw the line and know that they're probably not right anyway. But Let's kind of think as well about free content versus paid for. So the people who might well become members, that's kind of the the balance as well, is giving them enough free that they are enticed enough and engaged enough that they might one day want to become a member, whilst also when they do become a member, not think, oh, well, <laughs> what, why did I bother? I'm getting all the same stuff. <laughs> I, th- I think that my free material... It's really for people who have never had a go at anything. Mm -hmm. 
So it tends to be just one or two projects in very a mini ebook. So I think it was making calendula balm or something with the the calendula one, and really to get them to just try it out and succeed because this is the whole point of all my ebooks mm-hmm. is that everything is quite simple, so and straightforward and explained in very basic step by steps. So for them to try something that they wouldn't have tried to succeed, to realise that they really enjoyed it, and then to think actually that's something I would want to put into my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether whether it's through becoming a member with me or buying kits, because obviously we don't just sell to members, we're a, a proper kind of retail business as well, or moving on and doing something with somebody else, but kind of bringing that kind of practical making things, looking at things, connecting with the seasons, mm-hmm. growing creativity all into their lives. So that's that's my main aim is to kind of get people to try things that they haven't thought of trying before. And how do you think that is working at the moment? I would say that most of our new members have signed up to our newsletter via one of the books that I do. And I hope that that is because the quality of them it's probably a bit higher than you would expect. They're proper flip magazines and mm. um, they've got lots of photographs. And, you know, they're, they're nice things to browse through. So I'm hoping that they sign up thinking, oh, well, you know, I'll put in my email address. And then they think, oh, actually, that's really nice. Mm. You know, that's my hope anyway. <laughs> you know, I spent ages doing that. <laughs> so are you quite happy then with the value that they provide? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and but it, but I think that my problem is that you always like to be liked, don't you? Yeah. And particularly if you're on in a community like Instagram or Facebook groups, where you are connected to people, you know people, and if they come to you and go, actually, well, you know, I made the bomb, but I was actually wanting to know how you do distill flower water, yeah. but I see that's a member's thing, and I think, well. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but it, it is a members thing. But yeah. It does make me feel a bit bad. But mm. yeah. No, I, I I agree with you there and it's difficult when you're a nice person and and you get into things because you want to help people. Like I got into this because I want to help people and you've already said you want to get people up and doing stuff. So for me, I do quite often feel sort of guilty about not being able to help everybody individually or not have different options and actually that I'm going to bring out a much cheaper option in the new year I think because I want to be able to provide something for those people who can't invest in coaching or can't invest in in a one of my more kind of intense courses however I also have to be aware of the fact that I do provide a lot for free like I do this podcast I do the blog which is really aimed to be very valuable my newsletters I will quite often do like a live Q&A on Instagram for free and so I have to remind myself of that and remember that I am giving as much as I can and not be swayed by the people who will always want more Yes, I, I think that that's a very good point, actually. And I do think that in some ways it's the more that you give for free, the more value mm-hmm. you give for free, maybe that sets up an expectation that everything will be free. Mm. But obviously that's not, that is not a practical way to run a business. Mm. 
So there has to be, and it's also not fair for anybody who is paying. Mm-hmm. It's it's looking after the interests and rights of the people who support me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think is really the the important thing, and to to put most of my energy into creating things for them mm. that are going to be really good. Yeah. And, and it comes back again to where does the value live? What what actually is the value? I quite often say to people, I can write a blog post about how to set up your email newsletter. But if you were to have a one-to-one conversation with me about how to set up your email newsletter, I wouldn't just be recycling, regurgitating the blog post at you. We'd be having a very specific conversation that'd be specific to you and your your business and we'll get you something at the end that a blog post could never do or even an Instagram live could never do so for me that's how I know to draw the line between the value is that yes I give a lot away but it's quite general and the value is that people can come to me and get specific objective accountability advice all that stuff that's where the value is in what I do more so than the knowledge. The knowledge can go out for free because actually the knowledge is, isn't is anything new. You can get it anywhere else on the internet if you want to. It's it's in the conversations. It's in the applying it to your business. It's in the accountability. It's in it's in that time with me that, that the value is. And so it's maybe thinking about what that is for your business. What is it that sets the membership aside from from the free stuff? I think that it is that they are part of the business. Yeah. And that is a very different relationship to somebody who kind of flits in and out of the business or is just an Instagram follower Mm -hmm. or whatever. And they're all very, very welcome. But the members are part of the business. Mm -hmm. And that is a very different relationship. And I, I I would speak to them in a different way. I mean, the tone of my members' newsletter is very different from the tone of my general newsletter. Yeah, so it's about access again. It's about access to to you, yes, to the discounts and things, but also to the behind the scenes, more insights, extra things that you're thinking about, getting really in deep with stuff. Whereas the free stuff is kind of here's your general overview, but if you want to go deeper, there is an extra fee involved, as as in every other business in the whole world. It is ridiculous to yeah. have businesses and and to worry about the fact that you charge yeah i know it is but it it does seem to be a very common problem (laughs) and i think it's because it's the people who don't want to pay who are the most vocal and i mean it's not like you've been really quiet about the fact that there's a membership and then suddenly gone oh no you need to pay if you want this it's it's, you are an openly membership based business so people should be assuming that if they're not paying they're not getting the deeper, bigger content. So yeah, I think you don't need to worry too much about those people. Does that help? It does. It does. It does help a lot. I mean, another friend says that you know, if you followed them on Facebook, you probably find that they just bought some expensive shoes, and it's just because you are a knowledge-based business that there is that feeling that it doesn't cost you mm. per item, so therefore it should be more chance of getting everything free. Mm-hmm. But that does it doesn't really work like that. It also devalues things. So mm-hmm. I'm quite quite happy with that, yes. Good. And I, I, I do feel like I'm going away and I'm just going to make myself a tick list and then also some kind of graph that I can plot where things go in terms of the content that I'm creating. Mm. And then I think that when I'm pinning things onto that, it will be quite clear 
mm-hmm. whether they are are general, whether they're more in depth, um, whether they're behind the curtain or not. Yeah, I think it's it. So it's partly a little bit of belief and standing behind what you do, and I think it's interesting saying the knowledge thing. It just exists, so should it be free? But it, it isn't just the knowledge. Like if you were to smash out a quick blog post you're not engaging with your own knowledge or spending the time that you are in writing a 40-page ebook. So whereas, yes, the knowledge is, remains a constant, the way that you're applying it is different in terms of your own energy and your own time as well. So yeah, stand behind your value, know where the lines are drawn and don't try to please everybody. <laughs> <laughs> or Very wise don't advice. try to please the minority who, who can't be pleased. <laughs> If you are that person, I'm sorry, I hope you're not offended. But <laughs> no, but I think it's like I'm I and I know you are I'm more than happy to give stuff away because it's important that people should be able to build this stuff by themselves. And I know that no, not everybody can invest in a certain level of help or coaching or courses or whatever. But for me and for the fact that I need to make money and it's my business, I'm just very clear on where that line is. And where you have to go, where the free ends and, and actually you're starting to encroach on what is my paid service. And, and that's been a learning process for me is, is getting to that point of knowing where it is. And there's still always a hangover of guilt. And sometimes I will reply to things. But if I'm like really busy and I get a message and I just have to prioritise that I can't answer that. <laughs> there, is a, there are podcasts, there are um, blog posts there's so much stuff for people to to dig into that I'm happy and willing to give but I have to also prioritize the people who have paid for me and make sure that I'm really ring fencing their experience very wise so our last question and I'm intrigued to hear your answer to this one is how do you grow a soul in your work and life I was thinking about this because obviously I know you ask everybody this. I think that it is becoming less busy at the beginning of the year. You know, when you're choosing your word for the year, all that kind of stuff. I chose ease, not easy, but ease with a bit of a flow kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it made me recognize how prone I am to doing busy, busy work. And it allowed me to work out what was that busy work and also I found that my brain had accepted the idea that business owners or entrepreneurs have to be really busy all the time Mm -hmm. so even if I wasn't busy it would fling things in that would make me busy so I might be say baking a cake for some people that were coming to visit the workshop but I wouldn't have eggs or butter or whatever and I'd have to go out and do it or I would misorder things and have to redo them Mm. or you know the wrong color or the wrong size I was kind of sabotaging myself Mm. and although part of that was because I was busy all the time a lot of it I think was just that that's something that happens when your brain decides no you need to be working 12 hour Mm. days let's just add some more stuff in there so for me it was really slowing down taking on less stuff having shorter working days and being more slow and intentional with everything I do rather than really busy yeah good I'm gonna take a leaf out of your book I think (laughs) 
<laughs> so where can people find you and Snapdragon and connect with you online? Okay, the website is snapdragononline.co.uk. On Instagram, we are Snapdragon Studio UK. And my Facebook group is called Snapdragon Studio B. Lovely. So, yes, everybody go and, well, if you've loved the sound of the Facebook group, go and join that and um, enjoy Jane's photography and the products and all the, all the kits and, and wonderful things that you've got going on. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Jane. Thank you. Any links that we mentioned will be on my website, which is simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast. And you can find me and Jane on Instagram. I'm simpleandseason and she's at Snapdragon Studio UK. As always, if you think you have a friend who would really benefit from listening to this conversation, please do send them a link to the episode. And do share where you're listening and tag me because I always love to see you. Until next time, I hope you grow a soul. <laughs>